Welcome to the Wellness and Wanderlust podcast. We're here to demystify wellness and help you add a little adventure to your life. Tune in for a new episode every week where we'll hear from incredible guests and talk about ways to be happier and healthier in our new normal. I'm your host, Valerie Moses. Let's get started. Hello, my friends. I hope everyone is having a lovely week. I'm so grateful to all of you for joining me here today. Whether you're new here or you've been tuning in every single week, I can't wait to dive into another amazing conversation with you. Now, I just have to say one of my friends and fellow podcasters, Pamela Davis, she's the host of the Well Done Life podcast and a guest on episode seven of this podcast. She always starts out her show by wishing everyone prayers of peace and love. And I just have to say how much that has really resonated with me lately. I've needed that message personally. For me, this year has had more than its share of grief. And I know I cannot be the only one. So if you're struggling right now or if you feel alone, I want you to know that I'm sending you prayers of peace and love too. And we are in this together. This week, our episode is brought to you by a brand new partner, Kitcaster. And you guys, I'm really excited to be working with them. Kitcaster is a podcast booking agency that specializes in developing real human connections through podcast appearances. We've had some of their clients on our show in the past. And if you're an expert in your field or you have a unique story to share, Kitcaster can help you grow your brand and connect with podcasts that fit your niche. They have an incredible team of communication experts that will help you dive into the world of podcasting. So if you're interested in working with Kitcaster, you can go to kitcaster.com wanderlust to apply for a special offer for friends of this podcast. I have also linked this offer in the show notes, so do check them out. They really do offer an incredible service. Now switching gears to this week's episode, you are going to love our guest. Tandy Gutierrez is the founder and creator of Unicorn Wellness, an online studio that offers a unique blend of wellness, fitness, and spirituality. Tandy is also known as the Wellness Witch and one of the coolest people I've met. I did 30 days of her program and I absolutely have loved connecting with her. And in this week's conversation, Tandy shares her own healing journey from autoimmune disease and a thyroidectomy and how both wellness and fitness have played a role in that journey. We talk about rituals to incorporate into our lives during the different lunar phases, wellness tips for those healing from chronic illness, how we can move away from perfectionism, and the power of embracing the weird. Shortly after our interview, Tandy invited me onto her Instagram live series, which is called 4 in 40, where we talked about healing our inner wounds. It was an incredibly therapeutic conversation. I loved chatting with her about that as well. So if you're interested in checking that out after this episode, I've linked that conversation in the show notes. So enough from me. Let's hear from Tandy Gutierrez. Hi, Tandy. Thank you so much for joining us at Wellness and Wanderlust today. Hi, Valerie. Thank you so much for having me. Well, it is such a pleasure to have you on. I'm so excited to get to chat with you, especially after experiencing some of your practice. And before we really dive in, why don't you tell our listeners a little bit about you and what your wellness journey was like? Absolutely. A little bit about me. I go by the moniker of Wellness Witch. I'm a healer, a mentor, and a coach, and I've spent over 20 years in the fitness and wellness industry. Um, I began as a dancer and a singer, so an athlete, and I have a long history of injuries throughout that career um, that include a full hip repair at the age of 21. So the body and the vessel and working with the body and the vessel has been a part of my life 
you know, since I was 18, I'm 43 now. And my wellness journey is really a winding and a long one, right? An ever evolving one throughout that. I had a nodule on my thyroid that was discovered when I was 18 and it was biopsied and continually watched, but no one ever thought to test my thyroid levels in all of that process. And so from the age of 18 to 32, it was a litany of mysterious symptoms that seemingly didn't coincide with anything. A lot of, you know, self-care practices and research and trying and tests, but nothing came to fruition for about 12 years. And then they finally diagnosed me with it's, it wasn't considered Hashimoto's, but my thyroid had burnt out by the time they discovered it. So I didn't produce TSH any longer. And at that point, um, they finally diagnosed me with celiac, IBS, and I had a thyroidectomy at 32. And so throughout this whole journey, I've had two children, a miscarriage, you know, and been teaching in the fitness and wellness industry in tandem. And so you know, wellness to me is very different than fitness. And my goal is always to teach people to work with their bodies rather than against them and to really help people understand how to generate wellness results by backing off of the vessel and learning to tend to it with a little more kindness and what seems really slow in order to get to the long-term real lasting wellness results. I absolutely love that approach. And as someone, um, I do have Hashimoto's as well. And so I have some experience with the, um, you know, with the spoonie community and it can be really difficult not to work against your body. I think a lot of times when you're going through that and, you know, you mentioned working with your body rather than against it and to generate wellness results. What exactly are wellness results? Because you mentioned wellness and fitness being a little bit different. Yes. So for me, it's really important to define fitness as the manipulation of the vessel, right? The manipulation of the body. I do this in order to get this result, either strength. It could be aesthetic. It could be functional. I want to be able to do, you know, two minutes of jumping rope. I want to be able to lift X amount of weight. And as a professional dancer and a professional athlete, when you train, you're training for this elite optimal thing. And our fitness culture definitely pushes us towards those extremes. And so wellness is holistic and inclusive of your body, your mind, and your soul. Fitness is specific to the body. And so as a human, we cannot leave out our mind and our soul, because our emotions are going to, to drive everything that we're doing, right? And if we're not thinking about what we're doing, the vessel is going to take a hit on it no matter what. So the goal for me is, you know, because I came from a competitive, right, <laughs> environment of um, consistently aiming to be at the top level of things often that does not include how, how do you feel about that? What do you think about that? What do you want? Do you like this process? Is it working for you? <laughs> and when I got into teaching clients, it was fascinating to see that if you're, when you're teaching one-on-one or in a group setting, you're really dealing with people's emotions and their mind. What do they think about mm-hmm. it? Do they like it? What's their experience been with a teacher or a format or with their bodies, right? Bodies are so personal. And yet we as a culture tend to them like they are 
so separate. And so my goal is to bring that connection back. And I know that sounds a little grandiose, but for all of the different formats that are out there as a culture, we are really disconnected from our vessels, even as we approach wellness. And so I launched my own online offering in 2013 because I was really fed up (laughs) with the lies and the inconsistencies and not only with my own vessel, how people treated it, but also with how my clients expected to be treated as they were coached and how they aimed to get results that were like so far off the truth of cultivating a healthy body with results. Yeah. And it's, it's so difficult, I think in today's day and age, or really probably any day and age with the societal expectations. And now today with things being filtered and Photoshopped and all of that as well. So we have sometimes unrealistic expectations and we treat our bodies so badly sometimes to get to those. And what I really love about your practice is that you do incorporate that spirituality, you incorporate that self-care into your practice and you have these rituals that go into it. How exactly does that work? How did you begin incorporating those and what does that look like? Yeah, I began incorporating them, you know, at a personal level for a really long time. And then it took a really expediated extra route um, at a certain point where it was just calling that it needed more attention um, to cultivate a meditation practice. You know, this is through my healing with my autoimmune issues and clients were seeing what a dramatic effect it was having on me in these really constructive ways. And they started asking to include other things. And, and we have, I have lived on social media very transparently for the last nine probably 12 years, honestly. And so they would see my personal things, right? And then would ask to have them implemented. And so I started working with clients on the back end originally and started to see how exponentially that added to the efficiency of the results they were seeking, right? So it was, you know, meditation, the things that I do now, I never anticipated that I would have a daily meditation practice, you know, that I would have a daily tarot reading practice, that I would be so ingrained in the astrology of things and how powerfully that has contributed to my personal, like functional health and wellness healing. I just had been in a cycle of chronic fatigue right? That was the biggest, that's the biggest peace of mind. And all of the practical applications of Western medicine just didn't help. They, they didn't help it. I'm not saying Western medicine didn't help, but on an overall balance spectrum of feeling calm, feeling centered, minimizing my seasonal depression and anxiety that I still manage um, for all the therapy, for all of the medications that have been prescribed to me, Nothing has created calm and stability and clarity like meditation and the tarot for me. And like most teachers, when we find something that finally resonates, we're like, I have to share this because in all of my seeking had not come across the flavor or these tools to implement as a healing practice. And I I cannot agree more as far as the meditation and mindfulness is concerned about what a difference that makes for me personally, um, especially dealing with anxiety as well. And just 
how much of a different person I feel like when I'm doing that consistently. How did that tie into your healing journey? And were you always involved in the spiritual realm and at tarot and some of that? Or is that newer to your practice? How did you kind of fall into those? It's both. Honestly, um, I grew up in a very, you know, religious household. I was raised Seventh-day Adventist. So the idea of meditation or tarot was absolutely not okay. That was Mm -hmm. earnestly the devil's work. And it was not an open discussion or topic. Um, When I was 16 and from 16 to 18, I'm from Oklahoma and I had a car and freedom. And I tell the story that, you know, I stumbled into this used bookstore. They have this huge, in quotations, new age section. I was just enamored and delighted and it felt like magic and it felt like, like truth and it felt like home for the first time. And so I started reading, I started meditating. I found a tarot reader that I started going to and it just really resonated with me. There was a pause in that practice because as life happens and I went to college and it was also not okay in my house, in my house. Like my mom was super not okay with it. And it was kind of like, I got caught meditating and, and it was like, okay, we're not we're not doing this. It's not a safe place to do this anymore. And so there was a big break with it. Um, But my grandmother was super, you know, she was religious, but she was also very deeply spiritual. You know, she talked to her guardian angels every day. She journaled out her dreams like forever. And she would write me letters or call me, you know, when she had dreams about things. So there was definitely still a dialogue of the unseen, right. Of mysticism, of magic. And so I kind of clung to that and that just resonated for me. And again, it was like in and out and in and out, but I hit my thirties and my health journey, you know, took quite the turn and things were calling to me and it did start to be like this daily practice. We moved into a house and as we were unpacking the books, you know, my old tarot deck from like high school shows up. There were tarot cards shoved in books that like fell out of the bookshelf. There was definitely like the universe was calling me back to it. And this house was also incredibly haunted. And so it was just like this period of life where it was like, oh, we're, we're going here, you know, and it just got stronger and deeper. And I felt more like myself much calmer than ever before and much more content in things than ever before. And so it's been a thread in my life since my teens, for sure. Definitely in the last 13 years, that sounds long now, has been, you know, thick in my life. What an incredible journey with that, though, and to see what an important role it plays in your practice through wellness and through fitness as well. I think it's so cool to see the role that it can play. I've never quite seen the style in terms of workouts and all of that as what you incorporate, but I think it is so cool and very impactful for people to be able to think about things in these ways. Talk to me about the meditations that you lead clients through and how the tarot readings play into that. Absolutely. So on the site, on Unicorn Wellness Studio, that is, you know, our online wellness studio. And so there is a guided meditation every month, but it's truly a channeled energetic healing. 
So it's typically about 15 minutes and it helps to channel the energies at play within this cycle for the members, right? Because we're always in the astrology. We had the, the planets move, you know, and they're moving in and out and it's like this big, beautiful layer cake. And so part of what I do is channel through like, what's the best way for us to harness or balance this energy at play, not to feel capsized by it and potentially to really use it in our favor for healing and for manifestation in this lifetime. And so, you know, when we get into topics of meditation, I think at this stage, you know, in, in life, we all know we should, or we understand the benefits of it. Right. I mean, the science of it is there, but we're still feeling like it's complicated and you have to be really good at it and that you have to be silent and you don't. And I don't think there's enough of that discussion out there. I have a guided meditation on the site because all we really want to do is invite ourselves to sit at the altar of the universe, be connected to the energetics of something greater than ourselves and feel more calm and centered at the end of it. Like it's pretty simple in its doing. And so a guided meditation, I feel like is like grown up bedtime stories. Like you don't have to worry about doing it right. Like just listen, just show up. That's all. And then be done with it. And so the guided meditations on the site, they're multi-layered. They have a full Reiki healing to them by proxy, if you're open to receive that. Um, for others, it is simply a guided meditation. It is a way to be led on a quiet journey, to be still for approximately 15 minutes at a time, and then go on with your day. My goal is to make sacred practices balanced in our technology as well as simple to take the decision fatigue down, take all of the perfectionism out of it and let you feel like you have a guide and a coach who's going to hold your hand, who's going to hold space for you when you can get there. When it comes to the tarot playing a role in them on the site, they're really, they all intertwine, but they are separate offerings. So the tarot readings that I offer on the site, they act as, you know, coaching by proxy. So it gives us, again, the energies at play within the new moon and the full moon. And each of those major lunations last about two weeks within the month. And so the tarot readings are also channeled messaging, right, through me that take us through the theme of this lunation for these two weeks. What is asking to be let go of? in this period of time. When we let go of something or release something into the world, what do we leave open to receive? And next steps and big steps for our highest and greatest good within these two weeks. So there's a real full circle process here, but they each stand in their own space in the membership. Well, first of all, I have to say, as far as the meditations go, you have such a gentle approach to it that I really like. And, you know, again, not approaching it from that place of perfectionism, because I think that is something that holds people back sometimes from doing something that, as you said, we all know that meditation has its benefits and that scientifically there is a lot that we can gain from meditating regularly. But we're sometimes, I think, a little bit afraid to do it because we might do it quote unquote wrong. And so I really love the way you do lead people through that because you have such an approach of, you know, if it's in your practice, if it's okay for you, 
and you know, if you're open to the Reiki healing, great. If you don't believe in it, if it's not something that's for you, you can still take a positive experience from it. So I really love that. And with the tarot readings, again, I think with the lunations, I fully believe in full moon ceremonies and all of that. Some people may not, but you can still take really positive and helpful tips, I think, from that, just very practical to take into our lives. For those who are not as familiar, can you talk a little bit about how those moon phases tie into our lives and when we should be letting go versus when we should be maybe looking to manifest? Absolutely. I always say that the lunar cycle is Mother Nature's best life coach. And I really, I I appreciate that you appreciate it, that it really is about like taking what resonates and just leaving the rest. And there's always something that we can glean that's going to help us on our path. So our members on Unicorn Wellness are a huge spectrum, right? Like some of them are deep in the tarot and really deep in the the lunations and others just kind of poke in and out or like are really connected to the, to the physical practice, but the lunar cycles, right there, there's more than just two lunations, but I teach the basics and the simple aspects because why get too complicated? Simple really works. The new moon is the time when the sun and the moon snuggle side by side and it's considered dark of the moon. It's when we don't see the moon. There's no reflection of the sun off of it. And in that cycle, the energetics call for rest, restoration, self-care, meditation, contemplation, right? This is like, this is like, don't have a party, (laughs) like (laughs) permit yourself, get under the covers, do some journaling and just think, you know, just imagine and daydream and, and evaluate and reevaluate things. The new moon is typically the time of setting intentions and making wishes. And as a mentor and a life coach and a witch, I go, yeah, that's great. We always want to do that. And then you immediately follow it up with what's the to-do list to get you towards that wish and that goal. So the new moon is that time to go, do I need to set new goals and make new wishes or the things that I have been working towards and wanting, they just haven't come to fruition yet. So I need to take a look at that to-do list, maybe create some new tactics, research, recruit more help. So it's a quiet time, but that's really the time to set intentions and make wishes. Then we have the full moon. And the full moon is when the sun and moon sit in opposition to each other. (laughs) So I always say this is like complete balance or like a total standoff, right? Of the lunar and solar energies. And I think the full moon is the one that's most misunderstood. It's a complete illumination in the sky, right? We get the entire reflection of the sun off of the moon. And it really is a time of finishing things up, launching and completing stuff, anything. So this, the goal of a full moon is to juice us with energy so that we can finish and complete and launch. It is a time of celebration. It is a time of gathering. It's a very social time of wanting to be seen. So I always say that the full moon is either like your spotlight, you know, this is like your (laughs) solo moment. (laughs) Look at the, look at what I did. It's so great. Or it's a flashlight on the hot mess, right? That you have to clean up. And because some people will be like, oh, that's great, but I haven't manifested anything and I'm not working on anything. And the full moon comes around and goes, yep, 
We see that too. So we're, we're lending you a moment for you to also see that, right? Full moons mm -hmm. reveal. And once you can really stop and go, oh, it's a reveal of a hot mess. Okay. <laughs> or, oh my gosh, this is such a celebration. And look what I, we did. Wonderful. Look what's been completed. Then for either one of those, you take a moment of pause and you go, what got me to this place that no longer serves my highest and greatest good or will absolutely not get me to the next place? That's what you release. So often I find and hear that people are like, you know, just releasing things, getting rid of stuff willy nilly. And I'm like, whoa, you got to like take stock first. There's an evaluation moment here that then helps guide and direct you towards what no longer serves you. I'm laughing as you're talking about this flashlight on the hot mess, because that was fully me during this past um, eclipse that we just had. <laughs> <laughs> but you're so right to really be intentional about that and to really take that time to reflect because we can keep making the same decision over and over and get this, unfortunately, sometimes the same not so good hot mess results. And it, it was just uncanny, the timing of when everything kind of came to fruition for me. And with that eclipse and kind of really seeing, wow, this is something I really need to let go of. Right. And <laughs> lunations, it takes, I always say it takes about three months of following the cycles, right? Of like journaling and jotting, listening to the tarot readings on the site, doing the movement practice on the site, because it plays a huge role in things before you start to go, Oh, Oh, you know, that then these things really illuminate. And that's the goal. Like the goal is to not feel lost in this 3d incarnation. This is the gauntlet and it's messy and it's challenging. And sometimes we just need somebody to shine that light and go, a mess over there, sister, you got to clean that up. <laughs> Do you have any advice in terms of, you know, any rituals that we should take either during that, that new moon cycle or during that full moon illumination, hopefully not hot mess flashlight, but maybe um, any, any tips for rituals that we should be maybe looking to incorporate? Absolutely. And this is going to be a shameless plug because I teach for illumination, right? So on the site, the mat practice, getting on the mat with me, that's a ritual, right? And they are specific at the new moon and the full moon and the types of movement practices that we are doing on the site. Like meditation, I think is the biggest one. Under, like if you don't meditate the rest of the month or the cycle, take a hot second at the new moon and a hot second at the full moon, right? Mm -hmm. To get grounded and to just plug in literally and on the site, our members, they lean into the full moon and the new moon tarot readings because that's a ritual. That's a practice. You're listening to the energies of play. They're taking notes. There's journaling prompts in it. And that gives you this moment to life coach yourself, right? With these questions posed. And I have the new moon and the full moon energy forecast. Similar setup, just a different lens on it. I think another beautiful way to honor these lunations is to, I'm big on bathing, like Epsom salt baths. 
because they have a both fitness and wellness practical and magical aspect of it. And they're cleansing, right? The moon governs the tides. And so if you are sitting in an Epsom salt bath, salt water, right? One to two cups of Epsom salt, you are allowing that to detox your body. You are then allowing it to reabsorb the magnesium for hydration. And that process is about 40 minutes. And then that's just quiet time alone. And that's a type of meditation too. I love that practice. And I think that this is a sign that I need to be incorporating more of that because I've had a couple of conversations recently where Epsom salts have come up and I've always thought about it in terms of sore muscles, but hadn't really thought about it from a more spiritual and self-care perspective. It's so powerful. And I know for those like, cause I live in Brooklyn and not everybody has a bathtub. <laughs> in these parts. Um, you can do an Epsom salt foot soak, right? Because we drain down. And so that's super grounding also that it doesn't have to be epic, but it also helps muscle restoration. So again, in this wellness mindset of the vessel, it's so soothing. And if we, lived in the woods anymore, you know, we'd have a lake or there might be an ocean or some, you know, magical brackish water somewhere that we would get into. The mm-hmm. vessel craves cleansing, right? And so this is a way that we can honor that. All right. I am going to be doing that the next time I'm home where I have my, my bathtub there. That just sounds so healing. It's one of my favorites. I love that. Now, in your practice, you offer, you know, kind of a combination of Pilates and yoga. And I'd love to know a little bit more about how you first got into Pilates and yoga and why those play such an important role for you now. Absolutely. I was very lucky that at 18, when I was in a dance department at Stevens College, it's an all women's college, that our, the head of the dance department was she was real smart and she had um, Pilates a part of our curriculum. So I didn't have a choice to take it. It was introduced to me serendipitously. um, And we alternated having to take Pilates classes two or three times a week, depending on the semester. And so her concept was, she was very smart. Like she's coaching and training, you know, for professional performers and professional athletes. And Pilates was created as a rehab program. So it is absolutely known to prevent injuries and to help you heal the ones that you have. And it is a fascinating format. It's one that I earnestly, I hated, I hated it. And it is hysterical to me that my career has been built and based on it, but it was just so foreign to me and my body needed it so badly that it was uncomfortable and I didn't dig it and I didn't like the cueing and I didn't like the mindset to it, but the work is so good. And so it's, you know, Pilates was created, there's discrepancy in the years, but somewhere between, you know, like around 1918, And it was created by Joseph Pilates as a rehab program for military men. And this is what people don't understand. They think it's created for women, that it's like this softer aspect of things, and they have no idea what the history is. And his goal was to get men back on the field faster after they'd been injured. 
And so when he moved to the States and he, you know, created a studio, it was above American Ballet Theater. And so it, you know, got this reputation that, you know, when the dancers were injured, they'd send them up to Joseph, <laughs> you know, <laughs> you can't rehearse, so go, go someplace else. Um, and so when I was there for the dance program, it was a part of our programming and it was really smart, but I didn't understand it. I didn't value it. My body needed it so drastically. Pilates is all about the bone structure, your alignment. And it's very nerdy and very geeky and really smart. It's all about being in alignment and stacking the bones appropriately so that the muscles, ligaments, and tendons fall, right, in their best way that aids their best, most efficient, and strongest use. And then that prevents injury, right? And when we're injured, it's typically because of an imbalance in the vessel that has, you know, culminated over time and then it just can't take any more stress. And so when you're injured and you head into a Pilates practice, Pilates teaches the vessel how to balance things, how to share the load, how, you know, your shoulders don't have to do all the work in a push-up. Actually, that's not their job at all. And so it teaches you to come from the core. So I think it's become a real catchphrase. And again, people are much more familiar with it now than when I started. I just, you know, had the blessing of learning it early. And I started teaching it when I was auditioning and working, and it was a much nicer way to earn an income than tending bar or waiting tables, which I also did. And so I just kept having really beautiful experiences teaching the work and being asked to do other things. The universe really directed my path with this. And I loved seeing how clients felt so empowered with it and how, you know, they ended up getting results much more quickly and safely because they were doing Pilates. On that path, I worked in LA. I was the first regional manager for Equinox for their Pilates program and had celebrity clientele and, you know, was in a really beautiful facility in Century City, which is connected to Beverly Hills. And so LA is like yoga central. And it wasn't really until I moved there that I started taking classes and I just had the pleasure and the joy of like having really good teachers and really interesting places and a lot of diverse viewpoints on the movement patterns. And as a dancer, movement just makes me happy. I like to explore it and my vessel really enjoys it. But the work that I teach is Pilates based and much more functional movement based. You will absolutely see yogic variations, but it's at a minimum. And my aim is to like create little, little poems, you know, per 30 minute workout to pick the variations in the exercise that really speak to the work at play, which is to balance the vessel between mobility and strength and to balance and harness the astrological energies at play. I love that. And I love the idea of creating little poems with it because it really does. I, I didn't have the right word for it, but I felt like it really, there was something so poetic doing your workouts and something magical about them, the way that, you know, in a, in a way that I hadn't done in a, in a Pilates class before. And I, I love the way that you word that, just the, you know, the magical function of that. And we kind of touched on this when we were talking about rituals and, and your practice, but how do your exercises differ during the new moon versus the full moon? 
because the new moon is the time of restoration and self-care, that is our constructive rest week. So all of the movement patterns on the site are macro and micro cycled within a four week training cycle. And every training cycle has a constructive rest week. And that means be softer with the body, go more gently, let it take in what you've done (laughs) three weeks prior, let it integrate. Because this is, you know, the rest cycle is where results actually happen. Workouts stress the vessel, but the rest is where the magic is. This is where things transition. This is where they release. This is where they strengthen. And so at the new moon, we have a full six days of mobility and flexibility work. So it's much more calm. It's, it's a super healing phase that lets you take a breath. And it's typically our members' favorite week of the cycle. <laughs> um, it's mine too, y'all. <laughs> The full moon, because the full moon is like amplified energy and is looking to fuel us to finish and get things done. Those workouts during the week of the full moon ask the most of our effort within the four week cycle. So for me and on Unicorn Wellness, you know, if you haven't experienced the workouts, they're not, they're not super sweaty. Like that's just not the work that I do. So at the full moon, it doesn't always mean like, oh my God, it's so much harder, it will often ask us to go deeper because the work is based in Pilates. It's about core connection and core contraction, but it will definitely drive a little more intensely in that week. That makes sense. And that was something I had noticed was I would be trying out some of the, um, you know, some of the movements and I realized, oh my gosh, I I need to work on my flexibility a little bit, but going deeper into those movements and even sometimes just having your hands positioned a little bit differently than you might normally when doing that exercise or that particular movement, I felt like that made such a difference. And I would never have thought, I remember doing planks and having my hands in more of a claw movement. And I never thought to to do something like that, but it, it exercised my hands in a different way than I was expecting. Yeah. My whole thing is tiny and mighty. And, you know, I have a background in strength and conditioning too. Like, so lifting on the the weight floor, like it's a really diverse background. And so I would have clients like old school before we launched our online offering in 2013, when I was in a studio and in a fitness facility, clients would come in and have exactly that experience of like, okay, you just moved my pinky. Why does that change everything? (laughs) Because we just don't give enough honor to the tiny parts. Right. And, And that's what's supporting everything. And so tiny and mighty, it's all those little weird little bits that truly transform the vessel from the inside out, you know, because my Mm -hmm. goal is like, yeah, we're human and aesthetically we want certain things, but my goal as a coach and a human is like, do you feel comfortable in your body? Like, does it do what you want it and need it to do without pain? Do you feel empowered in it? So the work is really tiny and mighty. I love that. And I, I love what you had to say about feeling empowered in your body and in what you're doing, because I think those are questions we don't ask ourselves. I think more often than not, and myself included, we're sitting there, our success is based on how do we look that day? And was I able to complete the workout? And 
you know, all of that. And I think a lot of times it really, you know, we need to be asking ourselves, how are we feeling throughout the day? How is this affecting my mind? Because when I get a, a really great workout, I perform better at work. I am better to be around. I'm much nicer in my relationships. And I don't think we give enough credit to those things. I, I think we don't focus on them enough. We absolutely don't as a culture. And that is the exact reason I launched an online offering, because as someone who identifies as female in this lifetime, there's a lot of hurdles of expectations, you know? And so it's very important to me that we learn to be students again, that we, you know, start to move away from perfectionism. And because, you know, I will tell clients, I hope I can say this on here. I'm sure I can. Half-assed is better than no-ass, right? Just get to the mat. Like, there's so much perfectionism in our culture that people will not try unicorn wellness because they're like, well, I'll never look like you doing it. And I, and my answer is like, well, you're not supposed to. You're supposed to look like you doing it, right? Mm-hmm. And it's not about looking at it. It's like, how do you feel in it? So the cueing and the coaching is always to meet yourself on the mat. What can you do today? Listen to the cueing. What kind of expression of that exercise does it make? Yeah, not everything's gonna work for everybody. It's not, but you will surprise yourself by trying, number one. Mm -hmm. Two, it's such a great learning curve of like, oh, hell, that did not work. You know, and just let it be, just let it go and then hop into the next exercise. So this, you know, getting to know your vessel and getting to have a relationship in the body, that is what I care about and feeling empowered in it and doing the tiny pieces over and over because repetition breeds mastery. And we have all kinds of confused, effed up messaging in our fitness and body culture, particularly for those of us who identify as female. And again, I watched it. There were workouts being filmed, there were trainers, and they didn't get the body they had by doing the workout they were selling. Or they had augmented their vessel, you know, through surgery, which I actually, I have no judgment over. If that works Mm -hmm. for you, that's great. But if we're trying to teach and and somebody wants to get to a certain goal, we need to understand how that really happens. And beyond that, I teach earnestly for the emotional and the health benefits of it. I think it's so important because many of us don't really have the best relationship with our bodies, especially as you mentioned, those of us who identify as female, we are often, I think, experiencing more scrutiny. We have way more images in the media. And I I don't see this quite as often with tabloids anymore, but so many of the tabloids that would post the unflattering quote unquote bikini photos of celebrities at the worst possible angles, trying to get them on purpose. And those were things that we were seeing. And those were things that were being, I think, ingrained in us from a very early age. And I think because of that, and because of the judgment that we've seen in our society, it's so easy to just, I think, disconnect from our bodies. And I think, especially when you've had kind of a healing journey, and maybe you're not totally through all of that at this point, um, anyone that deals with any kind of autoimmune or chronic illness may feel kind of disconnected from their body because their body isn't necessarily 
doing what, what we want it to do or what we're telling it to do. Totally. I mean, again, I've had a thyroidectomy and I have celiac and because I was a dancer, because I was an athlete, you know, I would go into classes or if I decided to recruit a trainer, they would always push me so aggressively, right? Because I looked capable. And it would lay me out for weeks at a time, recovery-wise. It would just blow me out. And we're not treating the vessel like the temple that it is, right? Our body is the home of our soul and therefore heaven on earth. And we're just busy beating it up. And so we have to get in communication. It's a powerful communicator if we'll just listen and learn the translations. And so as a trainer, like I straddle these two sides, right? Of results and fitness and elite athlete and coach, but also as a human who identifies as a female in industries, both dance and fitness, right? That want this ideal vision of things that is so false. And so trying to bridge the, that piece of and create as much balance as possible is so important. And in my healing journey with my autoimmune issues, I did not start getting well until I earnestly quit doing everybody else's workouts and only did my own within 30 minute increments. You know, there's a whole way to coach an autoimmune vessel that you don't go over the 30 minute mark. But the coolest part of that is that that works for any body. And so there's just, we need to relearn how to be in this 3D body without feeling at war with it all the time. Say it louder for the people in the back because, (laughs) you know, that's something, that's something I certainly needed to hear. But I think it's something that even for those who are not in autoimmune body, probably still feeling that too, because we often don't listen to those cues. And instead we're thinking, well, it's been X hours since I've eaten, or, you know, I need to work out today because that's what I'm supposed to do. And I will do it for as long as I can without really thinking about what is actually serving your body or what you really want other than maybe how you want to look a particular day. And I I do think that that's just incredibly important for, for those who are in autoimmune bodies and really for anybody, but those who are kind of going through a healing journey, you mentioned that 30 minutes of exercise being a part of that training. Any other tips for those kind of going through that healing journey and the things we should kind of keep in mind and incorporate? Absolutely. For those who are really going through a healing journey, that 30 minute marker is so powerful because, you know, a workout is stress on the vessel. We forget that. Like we are purposefully putting it under stress and strain in order to cultivate certain results. Past the 30 minute mark, your body will start to generate stress hormones. And so for those of us with autoimmune vessels, it can be that that's a huge transition, right? Because most classes are an hour long. If you have a coach or trainer, that's a 55 minute session. We just don't understand the power of just 30 minutes. And so cutting down the amount of time, it tends to the the hormones. It starts to balance your hormone levels first and foremost. And that is transformative. Number one. 
The second piece is food. I mean, we don't have time to go full-fledged into that, but I do offer a 41-day food reset that I wrote for myself. There are a lot of very good, intelligent resources out there now for gut healing, but the power of food is just some of the biggest magic we have in this lifetime. And we've gotten so far away from how a body actually thrives heals and regenerates when it comes to nutrition. And I think that food has gotten very complicated in a marketing-based culture. We're getting marketed to and people want to sell us things, but we are very undereducated in, in what a body really needs, what it wants, and how to supply it with that. My food reset changed my life. And those are the two big pieces, right? Like there's layers and you don't have to do everything all at once. I think this is the third tip. And in fact, don't try to do everything all at once for your healing journey or for your wellness. Pick the thing that resonates, the thing that sounds, dare I say, fun, or at least the easiest to implement and do that first. For most people, like for my community, it's the mat work. They all go, okay, I know I need to move and it's only 30 minutes. Cool. And do that twice a week consistently for three weeks. Then go, you know, check in with yourself. Can I handle another layer? Can I add in another workout in my week? Can I start to think about adding in the meditation? Yes or no. Because this is where we have these expectations and we think like, oh, I have to do it like this. And I have to do, we have, we live in an all or nothing culture. That is absolutely not how results or goals are achieved. They're achieved in these tiny steps repeated over time. And so trying to take on everything will cultivate failure. Take on a little bit, do it in repetition, then add that other piece in right? The food resets usually the last thing that my clients and members do because it's big. It's your food. <laughs> you know, and I just go, take your time. Don't do it first. Because if you try to do that first, you're not, it's going to breed the wrong energy around it and it's not going to work. Yeah. And food, I think, holds such emotion behind it in a way that I mean, I, I do think that moving our bodies, there, there's certainly emotion in our bodies and they, you always hear about the person crying in yoga and, you know, that, that we do release emotions in that way. But I think more than anything, I think there's so much judgment that we place on ourselves when it comes to food where maybe, you know, taking some of these other practices on first for the right, I dare I say the right reasons, but really to help your healing rather than maybe more superficial reason that may not be serving you. I think doing that in time after you've started to develop those habits is going to make more of a difference. It's, it just is absolutely true. Very few people come to the table in my 20 plus years of coaching and are ready to transition their food out of the gate. It is again, typically the last piece. It is hyper emotional, but it will have us poking on a lot. And again, it's, you know, your food, your nutrition is 85 to 95% of your wellness results. Mm -hmm. You know, it is powerful. But as a culture, we are really confused 
as to how things actually work versus what I want or what I can buy or what I've been sold. Mm -hmm. And so that's a big one to undo. But to go back a little bit too and to offer up that the heartbeat of my work and teaching really is about the movement practice because we're a physical vessel built to move. And it is infused with a Reiki healing because moving the vessel in particular ways, like we talked about, like the little poems that I aim to create is there to sift and sort the energetics at play. Cause you know, those hip openers and that release, like it's a very emotional practice also. So I don't want to like capsize that because mm-hmm. movement is very emotional too. It's why most people won't get on the mat and why they will go try a boot camp or a CrossFit. They're used to feeling beat up. They're used to feeling like they have to fight for something. And they're really not clear how moving in kindness and in small increments can be more powerful. And that's something I really love with your practice too, is as you're going through a lot of the movements, you're talking through the intention behind some of them. And my favorite has to be like mixing the bowl. I I really feel good doing that and kind of hearing some of the reasons behind some of these things that we're doing and not just kind of jumping into the next, into the next thing, but really identifying, you know, if you do this move, it's going to help with creativity, or maybe this is more of a release and kind of understanding that. I think, I think that's really meaningful for people. I certainly hope so. I really do believe that if we're not tending to the vessel, then we're not tending to our magic. Our bodies are super magical, you know, and you can describe it any way you want to, but the heart's beating, the organs are going, the breath is going, and we're not thinking about any of it. It is this miraculous, crazy thing that we're in co-creatorship with. And I do think that in spiritual communities, the, the conversation is not being had, right? I hope to bring that conversation to the table because we're still in this like external mode of candles and crystals and yes, prayer, yes, meditation. But our vessel is such an energetic conduit and we're still working outside of ourselves. When you pull it in and yeah, like, you know, the cauldron stirring at the pelvis and making figure eights, these are energetically and emotionally transformative. I mean, somatic work is real. Mm -hmm. I could not agree more. I mean, you don't have one without the other. And so to really be incorporating that I think is so powerful. And when I'm not getting that exercise, when I'm not moving my body, I am less thankful, I think, for what my body can do. And once I really start, it's been the last few months that I've really prioritized that I need to get some form of movement before I go to work. It could be anything. It might just be a walk. But getting some form of movement before I go to work just keeps me a little more grounded. And it helps me through, I think, the stressful situations as well. It's truly therapy. But when I'm consistently getting some kind of movement, I am recognizing too, this is amazing that my body can do this. Right? And I think that's what I aim. Well, I mean, it is what I aim to do is to get back into, oh my goodness, my body can do this thing. Instead of us being in the perspective of there's no way I could do that thing. Like the the dialogue reframe and the shift is so powerful. And again, for those of us who manage anxiety and depression, like it is my savior to get on the map. 
And if I have to choose one practice because life will get busy and I have two kids and we homeschool and, you know, like there are some days where you're like, yeah, other things are not happening today. I'm going to have to choose. I always head towards the movement, the mat practice. Mm -hmm. And again, it's why that's what I've taught the longest, because for me, without that, I, I can't, it's very difficult for me to focus. You know, it's this mat work is so powerful for those with ADD or ADHD. Getting grounded in the vessel, right, is like, how do we get out of our heads and get out of frantic energy? We get into the body. So it is, it, it transforms things and it, again, doesn't need to be epic and it doesn't need to be elite and it doesn't even particularly need to be athletic. Like we just need to move because that's what we're built to do. Mm-hmm. 100%. I just truly love what you're doing and I love the kind and gentle practice that you have. It really does resonate and I can tell from the community that you've built, it does resonate with the people who are taking it on and you have just a, a, a unique way of looking at it. And I, I think that that kindness and that gentle approach really makes it, I think it makes it emotionally a lot easier for people to take it on because I'm someone too, where I, you know, I have old injuries from back in the cheerleading days many years ago and, you know, having put on maybe a few pounds since then as well, where I might be telling myself, there's no way I could do this. But to have that approach of, you know, if it's in your practice and if it's something that you feel comfortable doing, that maybe I think about it sometimes. I'm like, you know what? I'm going to try. I'm going to be careful going into it. And oftentimes I can do a lot more. And I think many of us can do a lot more than we think that we can or that we ever might have tried on our own. Language and cueing matters. You know, how we're invited into things. And full circle, you know, the way I learned Pilates I really didn't like it. I I was very resistant to it. And it wasn't until I ruptured my hip and that I saw three years worth of like, you know, beginning of the year, end of the year photos side by side that I understood the value of the work. And so I really believe that, that what makes me a good teacher, right, after all these years with a fair amount of success and, and a lot of clients and members, is that I cue from a place of remembering, right, mm-hmm. of what it feels like when someone cues you abrasively, mm-hmm. right, or is forcing you into a shape or a position. You're like, yeah, but that doesn't feel good. So it's, there's a sovereignty to it too, right? And like when you're, you know, telling people what to do, our brains don't always process the same way. So like I try to cue the way it feels as well as to give invitation to the full spectrum of it. It might be someone's very first day on the mat. Mine is my, gosh, what, 25th year on the mat? That's very different, you know? And it should be different, both valid, just different. And I think it's so important that, you know, so often our coaches have gone through the same experiences or similar experiences, or at the very least, they were in the same place in their journey as we are today. But so often you have coaches that may not show that, or they may not remember that. And I think that you remembering that and approaching it from that way, you know, it has such an impact. So I really am amazed by what you're doing. And I encourage all listeners to try out, you know, become a unicorn and 
learn a little bit more about what you do. But before we really, you know, get into that and a little bit more about the membership, I would love to dive into a few of our rapid fire questions. Now, my first question we've been talking about quite a bit, but your top wellness tip. My top wellness tip is to do less, honestly. <laughs> like, you know, I know some people are like, well, I'm not doing anything. Okay. Well, if you're not doing anything, then, you know, aim for a quiet walk, you know, twice a week. If you are called to try Unicorn Wellness, just aim for twice a week on the mat. Don't try to be perfect or the end goal from the very beginning. Do less because... I promise you it actually reaps more results long term. I love that. I think so often when we're going for that perfectionism, I mean, we really are setting ourselves up to fail because we can't be perfect and to kind of give ourselves those goals that are a lot more attainable for us and starting out, you know, slow and steady. I think that makes such a difference. So I I love, love, love that tip. On a completely different note, um, what is your favorite travel destination? Ooh, I love this question. Um, my, f- I have two. Can I have two? Absolutely. <laughs> my favorite is Barcelona, Spain. It is such a happy family place for us. The Mediterranean Sea always feels like I'm like sitting in my very own like snow globe. I know that sounds weird, but like <laughs> it feels closer to the sky, and it feels it feels magic there to me. So I love Barcelona. And I love Paris. I've only spent four days there and it was under this gigantic, you know, super moon. So I think that plays into it. But those two places and spaces are like, it makes me feel like I'm in a dream. And my Pisces moon really likes that. Oh, both places are beautiful. I have not been to Barcelona since I was maybe... 15 or 16 and I'm dying to get back. I, I of, of all the places I've been, that was the one where I'm like, I could live here and I think I'd be happy. Yeah. Well, as a family, you know, we lived nomadically for quite a while and Barcelona was one of the places we've spent, I think four months collectively and we're constantly plotting to get back. So yeah. <laughs> that is lovely. And I wish I could get my French a little bit better because I do love Paris as well. But we didn't have a particularly exciting moon either time that I was there. So maybe maybe I time the next one. Yes. <laughs> oh, both places are lovely. Now, if you were an animal, what animal would you be and why? This question, actually, I was like, wait, what animal would I be? You know, what's coming up today is, is definitely a leopard. Ooh. Um, yeah, I think the like they're powerful, they're fast, they're athletic, but they absolutely cannot camouflage themselves, right? Like you just are gonna like you're never gonna fit in because you're bound to stand out. <laughs> That's a a lesson that I continually learn at a at a deeper and deeper level to just be, you know, it's what I guide my my mentoring clients towards of like your authentic self in this lifetime. And I spent a lot of years feeling like I had to hide or be smaller or less and that I was super weird. And so now I'm like, you know what? You just got to be you and and just, you know, just stand out. That's it. I love that. I think we talked a lot about the expectations, I think, especially on those identifying as women. And I think so often we are told to be a lesser version of ourselves and to kind of hide some of that. And I found when I am my weird, 
but authentic. And, you know, when I am myself, when I am most myself, not everybody is going to love it, but the people closest to me, you know, the, it, it does deepen the relationships that are the most important to me. And it, I, I think it's so important. And I, I really love that answer. Well, I appreciate it because so much of the work on unicorn wellness, like you've said, like people are either turned off by it or think the title, the name is silly, or they just don't get it. And the layers of the woo woo and the layers of the astrology. And I'm like, I'm so comfortable now going, then it's just not a fit for you, right? Mm -hmm. It's not going to be everybody's jam, but for those that it is, we really do feel like the unicorn wellness is a community. Like we're a little family and it's been nine years. And when, you know, members find it, it's really, they really feel like they've come home and Pilates, like you said, you mentioned it, it doesn't really get taught the way that I teach it. And I'm, I spent a lot of years trying to fit into that typical community and it just didn't work. And so at every point, I feel like the universe is like, just please be your weird self. You know? <laughs> and it's like, okay, it took me a long time to get there, it feels like. But yeah, we do. We talk a lot on Unicorn Wellness about embracing the weird, you know, because yeah. this is where authenticity is. Like, if you're willing to feel weird on the mat, then we're going to get somewhere. I love that. Because also, if, if something is not working for you chances are it's also not working for a lot of people that just haven't spent, they haven't spoken up about it. And I just, again, for me in the last, you know, particularly, I think four years, just am trying to be that integrous person and really just keep walking the path. You know, we launched an online offering in 2013. That was super weird. You know, by the time the pandemic came around and everybody's online, I'm like, y'all, I have been here for years. Yes. I, I think, you know, oftentimes the weird, you're really just pioneering something. I made this little, my, my little saying that I, which is a little bit silly, but I like to say this sometimes sort of tongue in cheek, but I'll say sometimes, Hey, if I'm not your cup of tea, you probably just don't like tea. <laughs> <laughs> totally. <laughs> oh, absolutely. And that used to be something that I took very personally, really hurt my feelings, you know, being a small business owner and being very present and visible online on social media, especially again, before it was as noisy as it is now. And before, you know, everybody was there, it, it used to really hurt me. And now I'm like, you know, you just like, can we just step out of this? Like, it's okay. It's really okay. Don't waste your time. Don't waste my time. Just go find what really does work for you. That's all. Exactly. Yeah. Well, I really love that answer. And I, I love leopards as a side note. I love having my animal print. So I think that is a great answer. And I don't think we've gotten that one before. Ooh. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> now, if you could master a completely new skill, what would that be? Oh, I would play the piano or play the guitar. That is, I have tried and it is not something, I mean, I get it. And I would coach my clients to like, just be mediocre at it, but it's very frustrating. <laughs> it's really not my talent, you know, like I can sing, I can dance. I feel like, yeah, I'm good. But if I, if I could, those are the, those are the things that I would master. Yeah. I, I love music and that's something I wish I, I wish I had practiced a little bit more back in the piano lesson days, but was not destined to be great at it, but definitely have an appreciation. Totally. Same yeah. here. 
I'm like, you know, let's just call it. Like, that's not my calling and my gift in this lifetime. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I I wish I could, but it's lovely to support those who can. So Exactly. And my final question for you from the rapid fires, um, what's next on your bucket list? I don't even know, honestly, which sounds strange, but we're in a, I'm in a phase right now where I feel like so many things have been checked off. But if we're talking like grand bucket list, you know, within a pandemic, we're not quite comfortable traveling again yet, mm-hmm. but the big bucket list, I really want to go to Crete. Um, I want. Yeah, like this is, you know, the temples, like the the Minoan culture, which was matriarchal. This is like the birth of the goddesses. Um, So that is absolutely, I don't know that that's next, but that's definitely on the list. They're all kind of travel oriented. So that's why I feel Mm -hmm. like, oh, I don't know if it's next, but I also would love to visit Chichen Itzen, right? Oh, yeah. Yeah. So these are the two big bucket list items that I'm like, I don't know when. But I hope that these are the ones that are next. I think those are both great. And hopefully in this new year, we have a little more flexibility in what we're able to do um, because definitely travel is at the top of mind too. And both amazing places. Yeah, I just, we've, again, we're, we're, we have extreme wanderlust in this house um, (laughs) and it has been very challenging. We didn't travel any the year before the pandemic we, we chose not to and then the pandemic hit and it's like oh okay and we tend to be a little grand in our travels <laughs> so we're just going slow and and waiting for when that feels more comfortable for us but yeah those are the two I think on a smaller note visiting Salem Massachusetts Ooh. yeah like we could take a car ride there oh yeah oh and that would be such a cool place a magical place to visit Yeah. Yeah. Oh, I love that. Now, Tandy, this has been fantastic. I could honestly keep this conversation going another hour. um, So we'll definitely have to have you back on. Um, But for our listeners who are interested in learning more or becoming a unicorn themselves, how can they find you and connect? Very simple. The best way to, you know, explore the work that I do is on the website at unicornwellnessstudio.com. There's a self-care package there to get and receive with just an email address drop. That's a lovely way to get to know the community, me, and the work. It might be your jam. It might not. (laughs) There's no commitment there. Um, And also on Instagram, I answer everything. If you ever feel called to send me a DM or ask a question, you will get me. And that is Tandy underscore Gutierrez on Instagram. Perfect. I'm going to link both of those in the show notes so that listeners can find you. And again, thank you so much for coming on and for sharing with us today. This has been truly magical. Well, Valerie, this has been a pleasure and I'm so very grateful. And I hope we do have a time in the future to reconnect and to do this again. It was lovely. Thank you. There were so many great takeaways from this conversation. I love Tandy's approach to wellness and the way she incorporates so many different modalities and rituals into our practice. One of my favorite aspects of unicorn wellness was the guided meditation and the Reiki healing that she offered. I found it to be really restorative and honestly such a powerful reminder that wellness is about more than just the body but the mind too and we have to recognize the importance of both. 
I also think it's incredibly important for those of us who are in autoimmune bodies to understand that there are ways to treat ourselves and to pursue our fitness and health goals without pushing ourselves over the edge. So I really appreciate Tandy's advice to do less and to maybe be a little more intentional with what we actually do, because I think we do put so much pressure on ourselves to always do more. So I have linked Tandy's information in the show notes, and I highly, highly encourage you to check out Unicorn Wellness for yourself. Now, I have also linked our IG Live conversation for a deep dive into healing from our personal wounds and shadows. That was a really great conversation. So if you loved hearing from Tandy today, you know, consider that maybe an extension of our conversation. As always, I want to thank you for being a part of this community, for sharing this part of your day with me, and for tuning in, for being present. If you have a topic that you would like us to explore in a future episode or in the new year, don't hesitate to reach out to me. My Instagram handle is wellness and wanderlust blog and my DMs are open. Um, you can also email me at Valerie at wellness and As I say every single week, one of the best ways that you can lend your support to the show is by leaving a rating and review on Apple podcasts or whatever app you're tuning in from so that others can find the show better. I would truly love to hear from you and know what you think about the show. So I hope you all have a wonderful day and I can't wait to talk to you soon.